Welcome to The Edge by MGR with your host, David Gill. Hey everybody, welcome to The Edge podcast by MGR. Today is a special episode. We are not doing the regular podcast with like an interview or me just talking to you guys. We are doing like a little mashup 2018 review. I wanted to do something special for the end of the year. Obviously, the holidays are coming up, so I want to do something a little different. We actually started this podcast back in January, so we're almost at the one-year mark of this podcast. It's been really, really fun. I'm really appreciative of all of the new listeners. Obviously, we started from, from scratch, from zero, just a year ago, and now we have tons and tons of new listeners, and it's really just... It's, it's really awesome to see the growth, and uh, so I wanted to do a little mashup just because I realized that, you know, obviously we've been uploading, we have almost 90-something podcasts at this point, we're almost at 100, uh, I'm not sure if we're going to do a 100 episode special, but if we do, it'll be in January, so anyways, I realized that over the past, I mean, really over the past like two or three months, we've seen the uh, audience more than quadruple in size, so I realized that, you know, our first seven, eight months of podcasts, really, a lot of you guys are new and did not listen to them, and we had a lot of good gems, so I wanted to do a little mashup today, kind of just putting together some of those clips, Um, but really, you know, because 2018, this is going to be the media podcast, because what I realized was, uh, I talked a lot about the shift in media uh, from traditional to digital this year, and I think what 2018 was, because it's not like it wasn't already happening before, but I think 2018 was kind of the year that big companies, big media companies uh, realized that they they didn't have the choice anymore. It was kind of make the leap or don't at this point. You had to go for it, and I think it's also 2018 was kind of the year where we saw People start to realize that independent media and independent creators really had large reach and influence. I mean, I think a good example, especially, you know, if you look at podcasts, I was looking at this this morning, so I kind of wanted to talk about it for a second, but, you know, like... I think Joe Rogan is a good example. For those who don't know Joe Rogan, he's one of the biggest podcasters in the world. Uh, and yeah, it's basically he's one of the most popular podcasts in the world. He's huge. Millions and millions of listeners. But I wanted to kind of compare him to traditional media because before, he, you know, he's a comedian. And uh, if you were a comedian before, kind of the path was, and he's talked about this himself, but uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of his show, obviously. Uh, but, you know, he's talked about this before where, before, if you wanted to get, uh, if you were a comedian and you're kind of on the come up, you had to kind of make a bit and try to get a good five minutes and see if you can get on Jay Leno or, you know, back in the day, Carson Daly or David Letterman or one of these, you know, late night shows. And you get your three, five minutes, whatever, your little bit, and hopefully you start building a little bit of an audience and you go on a few times and people remember your name, etc. But now, you know, if you are a comedian and you just become a guest on Joe Rogan's show, you're going to get 10 times the amount of people watching your comedy special or your listening to your comedy podcast or whatever than you would ever gain from your little five-minute bit 
on you know Conan or Jimmy Fallon or whatever uh, show you're doing. And that's because at this point, Joe Rogan has more people listening to his podcasts than these late night shows have viewers. And not to mention that you're not getting this little five minute bit that's bookended with commercials and it's at 11 o'clock at night when people are half asleep, not paying attention. No, you're getting like a full two, three hours sitting down with a guy that people already trust. And that's just one example. But I mean, I, you know, I'm a big uh, sports, I guess, radio podcast uh, person. I like to listen to a lot of that stuff. And if you look at uh, sports podcasts, I looked uh, a couple days ago. And uh, for those who aren't into sports, basically, there's two kind of up and coming media companies. One is Barstool and one is The Ringer. And they were both started by people who, well, The Ringer was started by Bill Simmons, who used to work at ESPN, then he left, and Barstool was started by a few guys who uh, just wanted to start their media company. But anyways, basically, you have these two independent sports media companies, and if you look at, like, the top podcasts, if you look at the top 10 sports podcasts right now, there is one ESPN podcast and one Fox Sports podcast. The rest are all Barstool, The Ringer, or a couple other media, uh, independent media creators. If you would have said 10 years ago that of the top 10, you know, sports, radio, talk show, whatever you want to call it, uh, shows out of the top 10 that only two were ESPN and Fox and the rest were going to be independent, non-network, non-mainstream, you would have called me crazy. I would have called you crazy if you told me that. But that's the reality we live in today. And I think that's just another example of this and and that's just podcasting uh, that I'm giving an example of but I mean look at you know I was looking at Will Smith earlier too Will Smith for those who don't know obviously everyone knows Will Smith but he has gone very much into Instagram and YouTube especially he has his vlog now he's very much promoting all of that because he realized and I think he's one of the first of many celebrities that we will see to start their vlogs and start their own mini media companies online because he realized that, yeah, he's big with older generations, but he was getting lost with the younger generations. So what did he do? He used his name, obviously, and his his reach to start his own show and then get start collaborating with other major YouTubers and Instagram influencers who have millions and millions of followers because he wanted to leverage them. Obviously, they're going to want to collaborate with him because he's Will Smith. You know, they grew up watching him, but he leveraged that. And so we're seeing this old media shift towards new media and i think we're only going to see that continue the only thing that really hasn't completely shifted yet is the actual ad dollars i think the consumer shift has already happened it already it's already done and i mean it's continuing but the major shift shift has already happened the thing we haven't seen is the ad dollars really move over we're still seeing big companies spend billions and billions on tv commercials and print and other older media that i'm not saying that they're bad methods of advertising but for their price they are so much more expensive than say facebook or instagram or a lot of digital media and you know like especially business consumer if you look at instagram right now if i was a business to consumer company i would only i mean i would spend 80 
85, 90% of my money on Instagram and Facebook, and that's it. I'd have a little bit here and there for maybe some Google uh, PPC branded search. If people search my name, I want to make sure that I'm at the top. You know, maybe some display retargeting if they've already uh, visited my website. But almost all of my money would go to Instagram and Facebook if I was a business to consumer because there's just no better value for your dollar. If you look at consumer advertising, which is what most commercials, TV commercials are, and print, you're going to be spending 50, 75, $100 per CPM. CPM meaning per 1,000 people. How much money does it cost to get in front of 1,000 eyeballs? And on TV and print, it's costing you 50 to $100 to get in, from a th in front of 1,000 people. On Facebook and Instagram, it's going to cost you sometimes 10 bucks, maybe even less. And the very highest I've seen is about $20 CPMs. So the most you're going to spend on Instagram or Facebook is $20. And the minimum you're going to spend on TV and print is 50. I don't understand. And a lot of times it's going to be 75, 100 bucks. I don't understand what the, the question is here. And not to mention that on TV and print, it's very difficult to track. It's very difficult to uh, really have a call to action. I guess you could say it's almost all branding on you know Facebook, Instagram. You can have someone just swipe up or click or whatever, and you can track them and you can gap, capture their first party data and retarget them. You can't do any of that with the traditional media, and yet the traditional media is still charging three to five times even more than digital. So I think that's really the last shift that we're going to see. We're going to see a lot of these ad dollars that are still with traditional media start to move over uh, in the next probably year or two. That's really the last thing that's happened because all the big uh, media companies, a lot of celebrities are already making the shift, already making the move from old media to new, and I think that will continue. So that's kind of my preface for this episode. Um, basically, I'm going to play a few clips. So this first clip is actually uh, from all the way back in February. This is one of the first episodes that uh, we made, and it's about basically the manifesto. It's about why every company would become a media company and how it basically kind of the stuff i'm talking about now and so anyways i'm going to run a few clips here just talking about the shift of media and reviewing 2018 and what we can what we need to know going into 2019 i'll kind of interject every now and then just to preface some of the clips so you understand the context but yeah without further ado uh thank you guys for listening to this podcast in 2018 let's do a recap the future of, of business and marketing strategy, I think, is more accurate. And that's that, you know, I truly believe, we truly believe that every company is becoming a media company. I'm serious. I mean, every company that will still be relevant in 10 years will in some shape or form be a media company. This is because... Or I should say this is something that every person, whether you own the business or are a marketing director or have a startup, all of you need to understand this. And you need to map your actions toward being a media empire and whatever your current business is. So you have a media business and, you know, whatever your actual business is, dog food, farming, you know, plastic bottle manufacturer, whatever you, you do, doesn't matter. Media company 
and your current business. And for a lot of people, this sounds unlikely, unlikely that every company needs to be partly a media company. But I'm going to tell you why it's not unfathomable and why it's so vitally important that you become that you start becoming a media company right now. And for those who have already adopted this mindset, why you need to quadruple down on it. All right, let's get into it. You ain't got no money, I ain't got no time. All these faces looking funny when I'm driving by. So let me say it right off the bat why this is true. You have to turn into a media company because the traditional way of just shoving an ad in someone's face saying 20% off of X, whether you sell dog food or run a client service business like we do, isn't going to be an option. And when I say traditional methods will be irrelevant, I don't mean TV commercials and print ads. Those are already irrelevant because of how much they cost, right? They cost ludicrous amounts of money for the very low uh, return they bring in. But I mean by traditional any ad that isn't somehow providing value. And that means almost every type of advertising that exists right now will no longer be viable in the coming years. And so the question is why? Why Why would this be? What's going to change? Because you have to look at where are ads placed. Ads are placed on and around content that people actually want to see. But people do not like ads. The only reason ads exist is because often people aren't willing to pay for content and the content creators have to make money somehow. But because technology always disrupts the conventional, you, you in the future, content creators aren't going to need tons of ads or for everyone to pay because of new complex content reward systems that are going to be based on how much value and how much people actually like content determining how much people are paid and because people don't like spammy bad ads then your ads are not going to be placed very often these you know reward systems are going to be essentially like this if you create good ads that people actually click on and are interested in then your ads will be served to even more people but if you create ads that no one likes or clicks on then your ad will stop being served and the only types of ads that people will want to actually see and click on are the ones that provide them value, whether it be entertainment or utility, helping them learn how to do something or whatever. It doesn't matter. But people don't click on bad, spammy ads. So you need to start creating very nice ads. I mean, you should already be doing this. But in the future, it's not going to be an option. Because ad tech is only going to get better over time and map human behavior. And human behavior does not like bad advertisements it's just very simple so if you have bad ads you're not going to get served because the people who are serving the ads want to make money too so if your ad is not getting clicked on that means they're not making money so the way to create ads and do marketing that people actually like is by creating lots of high value content for the people you're targeting meaning you have to become a media company as i said before as the title suggests you know there's a reason Amazon spends billions on creating content for Amazon Prime, and the CEO of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, bought the Washington Post for a couple billion. And there's a reason why Disney spent almost $50 billion to buy Fox, 
and why AT&T spent $50 billion to buy DirecTV, and why Verizon is spending billions on buying Yahoo and AOL and creating their own media platform. Those companies, with the exception of Disney, are not media companies, but even Disney was getting disrupted because they were so heavily entrenched in the old movie and TV business that they had to rapidly change up their game too. But all of these companies are doing this because they realize they have to, because the old ways of spamming people with annoying ads will not work. It's common sense when you really think about it, but people don't want to accept this as the truth. So start making more content on every front, video, audio, written, articles, blogs. That's how you capture customers and that's how you will outgrow your competition by having an ecosystem of people who trust your brand because they consumed the value content that you created and that content and brand building will do the selling for you. That is the future of marketing and advertising. So if you plan on running a business still in 10 years from now, you better start creating a media company yesterday. Okay, so this next clip you're about to hear is about audio content and voice. I was talking about podcasts earlier in the intro. Uh, I'm going to get more into that now. Why podcasts are exploding, why audio content is becoming so big and is continuing to grow. It's the fastest growing uh, medium of content right now. More than video and more than articles. It's growing faster than both. And this is basically why. So let's talk about the market shifts that are happening right now and why the audio boom is becoming so predominant, I guess you could say. Uh, why is this happening now? Well, there's a few reasons. Uh, what is the advantage of audio content and audio voice interaction over you know, as far as the voice interaction goes over using the screen, or what's the benefit of audio content over, say, video content or, you know, reading content. I think most people would know it's the benefit of time. And I've talked about this a lot before. It's taking out the friction of, okay, if you want to watch a video, you have to be fully engaged, both your eyes and your ears, not just your ears. Most people, just like myself, you know, I listen to podcasts a lot. If, you know, I'm going for a run or if I'm just doing some work that's light, that doesn't require like 100% attention, you know, it's not something that requires complete and utter focus. I'll throw on a podcast and uh, listen to that while I work. A lot of people do this. So there's lots of, or if I'm like cooking, making food, whatever, I'll listen to a podcast then too. You know, if I'm doing something else that I can't be, you know, watching something or reading something, but I still want to consume some content, then you listen to a podcast. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Obviously, if you're listening to a podcast, you very much understand that as well. So that's the benefit of audio content. Now, why is it such a big deal right now that audio content is taking off? And to me, the major reason is because video con well, there's kind of two major reasons. One, video content takes a lot more time uh, and effort and more skill, quite frankly. You know, you have to know, you know, you have to be good on camera. You have to be able to memorize a lot of lines, or at least if you're not someone who wants to memorize lines, you have to be able to talk off the top of your head for a long time straight into the camera. Uh, you know, you have to have some sort of good lighting, some good setup, or maybe a good setting, a decent camera, 
a decent microphone on top of the camera, you know, a lot of things. And you have to be good at editing the video. You have to probably add a lot of graphics on top of the video. You know, all these things take a lot of time. They, you know, you when you actually watch your typical YouTube video or whatever, notice all the of like a bigger YouTuber. Notice all the little things they do that you might not notice that are a little subtle. You know, those take a lot of time and effort and money quite frankly too if you're paying someone else to edit the videos if you're a business so it takes a lot to make video content much more than audio content audio content is relatively simple uh, you still have to have a good topic and a good uh, you can either have a script or an outline you know i i used to do full scripted podcasts when i started because i you know, didn't really know what I was doing, and I wasn't very good at kind of talking straight, but uh, over time, you know, nowadays, I just kind of use an outline, like right now, I just have kind of a, a bulleted list of topics to kind of cover, but it's not like I'm just reading a script or anything, uh, and so depending on how confident you are, you can do it kind of one of those two ways, but you don't have to be looking at the camera, so it's not like I have to memorize my lines or memorize all these bullet points for the uh, for the podcast, you know, or if you don't want to memorize for video, you can get a teleprompter, but obviously those are not cheap either. Again, more money. So that's why podcasts are a little easier to do. All you really need is a decent microphone, which don't cost too much these days. You can get a good microphone for 50 to a hundred bucks, not a whole lot of money. You don't need some fancy camera. You don't need any of that stuff. And the editing is much easier too. You know, I don't have to have add any special graphics or anything because obviously there's no video I just kind of chop up the audio if there's pauses or you know sometimes I'll cough or something and I'll have to cut that out whatever but there's not a whole lot of editing that goes into a podcast either so it's, it's much much easier to create so that's one thing but the other major thing is that video content is becoming more and more and more and more competitive by the day. And it before it seemed like online video content was competitive in between the uh, smaller creators. So yeah, if you, you know, want to be on YouTube, there's a ton of competition from other YouTubers, but you can compete. It's a relatively even playing field. There's not too many people who have a huge advantage, and especially if you're a business going against independence. Well, you probably have a little more money and packing to push content and higher quality and spend a little more on better equipment, etc. Nowadays, that's not the case because you're not competing against some YouTuber in his bedroom. You're competing against Netflix and HBO and pretty soon Disney's new streaming platform and live sporting events. That's what people watch when they have the time these days, right? So when you have the time to sit down and be fully engaged with video content, you're going to want to watch Netflix or HBO or some sport or whatever, right? You're not going to be it's it's less likely that you're going to be watching some random person's YouTube video or some random company's YouTube video. You might, but it's not very likely is my point. And most people look forward to the time in their day where they can sit down and fully engage with content. Uh, unlike during the day, most people during the day, you know, you're working, you're at school, whatever. You can't, you don't have time to be watching Netflix at work. Obviously, you could get in trouble uh, depending on your workplace, but not just that. You know, most people say, I have to get work done. I can't be watching Netflix or whatever right now. That's why... Uh, you know, all the major sporting events are at night, and most people go and look forward to watching Netflix and HBO and whatever at night. 
that's who you're competing with. And so that's why video content is so difficult to get into because people only have such a limited amount of time to be full to for fully engaging content and you're competing with the highest levels of quality. I mean these obviously, you know, I've talked about it before. HBO, Netflix, all these companies, they're spending billions on their content. I don't know about you. I don't have billions of dollars to spend on my content. So I can't really compete with them on that front. But where you can compete with them is on the audio front because there really is no major audio uh, media companies out there. I mean, there's a few podcasting networks or whatever, and they're popping up, but no, no, none of them are are anywhere near the scale of a Netflix or HBO or anything like that. There's there's no one, not even close. And so that's that's really why it's it's the consumer demand shift. It's people have more time to listen to podcasts during the day, and that time for content wasn't really being fulfilled and is now starting to be fulfilled by many people who are creating podcasts. But the time where uh, they did have, the, the traditional time to consume content has become more and more and more saturated as far as the nighttime consumption. But the daytime consumption was very underserved and now it is becoming served with the rise of audio content. I hope that makes sense. So anyways, that's kind of the consumer demand shift. Let's talk about some of the market players and that's on the audio content side. Now on the on the voice application side, it's a very similar thing. It's, it's about not having to actually use a screen. If the smart assistants and smart speakers can get good enough, you won't have to pull out your phone and browse and scroll and do all this. You can just say, you know, a few words and whatever you're trying to do, what you what you what would take you 30 seconds on a phone will take you three seconds with a voice assistant. That's kind of the idea there. So same thing, just saving time. It's it's all about time. All right. So now that we've kind of discussed where media is going, I wanted to finish off this episode with a clip where I discuss Disney and Netflix two heavyweight media companies and how they are approaching this media shift. Obviously, Disney is the old traditional powerhouse and Netflix is the new kid on the block. And this is from my Disney vs. Netflix, A New Great War uh, episode. That's the title. You can listen to the full thing if you want to, but here is a clip from it discussing how now that we have all that information, how are two multi-billion dollar companies approaching this shift, this big move? Let's get into it. Let's talk about this because this is one of those classic business battles that I'm I'm fairly confident in 10, 10 to 20 years from now, uh, people will look back to this, you know, feud that's going on now and reflect on it. Um, this is like the new Nike versus Adidas, right? Disney is Adidas, the older giant who has been dominating for a long time. And Netflix is Nike, the up-and-comer who has been having massive success to the point where they can now challenge the incumbent. This big battle happened back in the kind of late 80s, early 90s when Disney was, or I'm sorry, when Nike was finally at the level of Adidas and then surpassed them ultimately. Now, these days, uh, Adidas is actually catching up quite a bit, but that's a whole different topic. But this is the archetypal, your idols become your rivals 
moment, right? When you've become the very person or company that you once looked to as an example of excellence, you look to them as an idol, and now they're your rival. You're competing with them. But the reason I'm really excited to talk about this and see what happens is that everyone in business can learn from this no matter who wins, right? Whether the incumbent wins Disney or whether the newcomer wins Netflix, I think everyone can learn. So first, let's talk about the advantages that each company has in this fight. Let's let's start with Netflix. So one, they have all the momentum, okay? They are moving quickly. They're growing very, very fast. They're the new guy. They're the new one that everyone loves. They have an ever-strengthening brand, right? Netflix went from no one having heard their name before, say, 10 years ago, or a very small group, to now Netflix being a complete household name and people talking about Netflix in a in a positive light very rarely do you see people trashing netflix or saying that they hate netflix it's not very common like you would hear about a lot of other big companies and they have the world's largest growing subscriber base at least for media i should say uh last year they passed over 110 million paying subscribers that's how many people pay for netflix so they are bringing in huge amounts of revenue, and on top of that, because of their tremendous growth growth and their revenue, they have a practically unlimited amount of investors that are willing to give them money. I mean, if you look at their stock price compared to their actual earnings, you'll see the ridiculous multiple that it's at. They're one of the highest valued companies as far as multiple goes in the world, and they're also one of the highest period. I mean, they're valued in the hundreds of billions. Um, and on top of that, banks are willing to give them low interest loans because they're positive that Netflix will pay them back. So basically they have a lot of cash money at their disposal to put it, to put it, uh, plainly. And they've been using that excess cash effectively. A lot of it is going to fund Netflix originals, which if you look at the Netflix home screen now versus say probably, yeah, five years ago, that is the big difference. Before, they were a distributor who gained customers because they made it easy to access content so that people wouldn't have to rent a DVD or wait for it to be in stock. They just gave you a download. So people paid for Netflix because they could watch a lot of the things that they would already be watching via other methods, but now in a more convenient way than Netflix provided. So that's how they got their original customer base customer base but now people pay for netflix yes still partly for their third party selection but mostly for netflix's original content because distribution is a commodity intellectual property is an asset anyone can basically pay for servers and set up a streaming service and set up a little you know ui interface whatever and set up what netflix is trying to accomplish with originals and all that let's talk about the advantages that disney has well just like netflix as you might imagine uh disney is a massive corporation and they don't really have an issue in the area of funding believe it or not i know it's hard to believe that wow really disney has a lot of money yeah they do. That's why they're able to make these multi-multi-billion dollar acquisitions left and right, like buying Fox, like buying Marvel, like buying Star Wars. 
the main thing that Disney has is IP, intellectual property. And uh, they have like a lot of it, okay? In fact, one interesting thing that I found doing my research for this episode is that last year, 14 of the top most streamed shows on Netflix last year were owned by either Disney or Fox. And well, obviously, as I said, Disney just bought Fox. So that means Netflix can say sayonara to 14 of their top most streamed shows. But perhaps the even bigger deal of the Fox acquisition is this. Hulu. Hulu right now, or in the past, is nothing but the annoying little ant on Netflix's picnic blanket. You know, the one that's kind of going in looking for little crumbs here and there to eat, and every now and then is going to sting Netflix in the leg. But Netflix, like most big humans do compared to an ant, are going to do what's normal. They're going to swat it away, and that ant is not going to stand a chance. All it's going to be able to do is give it a little sting, be a little annoying, but do no real damage. But that might not be the case anymore. See, Hulu was a joint venture started by NBC Universal, who brought in Disney and Fox as partners. NBC Universal owned 30%, and then Disney and Fox were each given 30%. So 30-30-30. So now, because Disney bought Fox, well, 30 plus 30 is 60. So now Disney owns 60% of Hulu, the controlling share. And because Disney controls Hulu, and even though Hulu is much smaller than Netflix, it's still the number four streaming company in the space. Uh, number one is Netflix, then you have HBO and Amazon, and then fourth is Hulu. So it's much smaller, but it's still a top four. It's not It's not nothing. But Hulu would be the only, only platform where you could stream all Disney, Fox, and NBC Universal content. Those are three of the top four media companies in the world right now. And who's the other company that completes the top four? Time Warner. And some of you may have noticed before when I said the ownership split of Hulu was 30 Disney, 30 Fox, 30 NBC. Well, that's 30, 30, 30. That only adds up to 90, right? Yeah, Time Warner owns the other 10%. So Disney now controls a large streaming platform that has the rights to all of the licensing of the content of the world's four largest content and media companies. That's what I call an advantage. So you've got the massive growth new guy of Netflix versus the wise old emperor in Disney. The goal of Netflix is really to become like Disney. They want to create as much intellectual property and unique content as they can because it's a massive asset to have that. One of the reasons why having these things is so important is because, one, these shows and movies, they're very expensive to make. I mean, you can look at the Marvel movie, Star Wars movies' budgets. I mean, it costs hundreds of millions of dollars to make these things. And second of all, they're worth 
a lot because you own the rights and if you have a big hit like star wars well that's why george lucas was able to sell the star wars brand the franchise for billions because that's what it's worth so that's why it's so important for companies to make these things and not to mention it's really hard to make super valuable ip so when you do and you have tons of people who want to watch it then it's super super valuable and disney has a lot of ip as i said before obviously they own all of the disney characters you know mickey mouse goofy donald duck all that they own marvel they own star wars they own pixar right all the toy story and all those movies and now because they bought fox they own the simpsons they own all of seth MacFarlane's adult cartoons like you know family guy american dad etc and that's a pretty big deal. Even if you're not a fan of all those things, most people are a fan of at least one of those, if not more than one, of those properties that I just mentioned, and Disney now owns all of them. All right, I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. I know it was a little different. I hope you liked it. It was a kind of a mix and mash of the regular content that we do. Uh, if you do like it, I can do more of these because obviously we have a lot of content that we've made over the past year. But we will continue to create more. Thank you so much again. It's been a great year. Uh, one year down of the podcast. Many to go. We've grown a lot. We hope to continue to grow. If you do enjoy the podcast, I'm going to ask you in the holiday spirit to share to share the podcast with someone who you think would also enjoy it. Just one person. Just one. That's all they ask. It would make our holiday season great if you could do that. So anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to another great year. 2019 will be great. See you then. <laughs>